This morning, I want to speak to you on beware of familiarity. Beware of familiarity. Tell someone, beware of familiarity. You see, familiarity is the state of knowing someone or something very well to the extent that we become casual in our way of behavior towards that thing. Familiarity is a state of knowing someone or knowing something so well that we end up becoming very casual in our way of behaving towards that person or towards that thing. Now, much as it is very important to familiarize yourself with things, there is the danger of familiarity that robs you of blessing that that thing is supposed to bring to you. You know, sometimes when accidents occur, it is because we have become too familiar that we no longer pay attention to the safety rules that accompany that thing. For instance, you drive, and so you have become so familiar with driving that you may take one thing for granted, and then an accident occurs. And so it's very, very important that we become very mindful of familiarity. Familiarity is not the same as intimacy. Unfortunately, if familiarity is not checked, it kills the sense of intimacy. In relationships, we need to be very careful of how familiar we become with our spouses and those we are in relationship with. Sometimes we end up becoming too familiar that we disrespect one another. And ladies and gentlemen, the blessings of God always comes through other people. Amen. And so when we don't handle people very well because we become too familiar, we miss out on the blessings of God. See, sometimes the relationship between a teacher and a student can become so familiar that if the student is not very careful, he will lose the teacher. When you get to school, teacher can be friendly, but don't become a friend of the teacher. Let the teacher remain the teacher. Otherwise, familiarity will rob you of the power of the teacher to teach you. In the same way, at every level of relationship, we have to understand that we can move into the extreme quarters of familiarity and miss out on blessing. You know, it is said that familiarity breeds contempt. I don't like that statement. Under normal circumstances, familiarity should breed respect, not contempt. It is because we violate the rules of engagement that we end up becoming rude and then the familiarity breeds contempt when it should continuously breed respect. Amen. And most of the time, the reason why it leads to contempt is because we become too familiar and we get exposed to certain aspects of the person's life. You see, the reason is that when you get close to everybody, the more you get closer, that means that the level of trust is increasing. Because everyone was born with the ability to pretend. When you see children playing, they know how to play the game. They know how to act. They know how to pretend. They know how, what to expose and what not to expose. Whenever somebody exposes some aspect of their life to you, chances are 99.9% .9 of the time it is deliberate because it is based on trust. When you see that aspect of another person, it should build your respect for the person for the fact that the person allowed you to see. Amen. And not to become contemptuous of the person. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this morning, I have a heavy word for you. Amen. I want us first of all to look at Matthew chapter 7 and the verse number 6. The blessings of God come through people. It comes through systems. It comes through organizations. It comes through the church. And so, every system we find ourselves in, may we not become too familiar that we disrespect the system and therefore lose out on the blessing that must come to us. Amen. In Matthew 7, 6, Jesus Christ speaking here makes some profound statements. He says, don't give what is holy to the dogs. Because the dogs don't value what is holy. They take it for granted. They think it's one of their meat. But it is not. It is holy. Nor cast your pearls. A pearl is a very expensive thing. It's an expensive jewelry. It says, don't cast your pearls before pigs. They can't see the difference. They will take it for granted. They will become familiar with it. And the Bible, Jesus said, they will trample them under their feet. And turn and tear you into pieces. That means that even the, the golden thing, the beautiful thing, the pearl that you give to the pig, because the pig can't discern what it is, it still disregards it and is going to start biting you. Start fighting you. Jesus said, don't cast what is holy to the dogs. And don't cast your pearls before swine. In other words, when things are so precious, such animals can't see that they don't need to be familiar. They need to value what is being given to them. But it says that these kind of animals, dogs and pigs, don't value such things. They take things for granted. They're taking the relationship for granted and don't realize that you are giving them pearls and gold. And they turn it around. Now, I want us to look at one of a few examples in scripture. Because familiarity can make you lose sight of the blessings in your life. The Bible tells us about the story of Uzzah in the Old Testament in 2 Samuel chapter 6. We know the story about the Ark of the Covenant when it was being brought to Jerusalem. After David had become established as king, he said he realized that he was living in paneled houses. He's living in a very good house and then he realized that the Ark of God is still in tents. There's no building made for it. It has been kept somewhere in a house. And so the Bible says that David decided that they should go for the ark. It is sometimes very dangerous to become too familiar with God that we begin to break the commandments of God because we have become so familiar with God. And the Bible says that David, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 1 to 7 and we will look at his counterpart scripture in 1 Chronicles chapter 13, verse 9 to 12. But in 2 Samuel 6, 1 to 7, the Bible says, Again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. Please take note of this very carefully. He gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000 of them. David had walked with God. He had encountered God. By the anointing of God, he had killed Goliath. He had become king. He experienced the presence of God, but he is becoming too familiar with God. And he's breaking a very important, clear commandment of God. You see, when we become very familiar, we break commandments easily. When we become too familiar with one another, we break each other's protocols very easily. 
We become disrespectful to one another in the relationship, in the marriage, in the institution. We become so familiar because we, we don't understand that we need to keep in focus who you are dealing with, what you are dealing with, and the value of the system that has produced the blessing in your life. David, you see, many people thought God was so wicked here. I mean, somebody just touched the ark and you killed him. The two things that occurred was number one, disobedience, but number two is so clear, it was familiarity. Familiarity with an instruction from God. Please, let's read on. And David arose, he gathered 30,000. If you read your Bible very well, he's not supposed to gather the whole of Israel to go for the ark. There is a designated group that only touched the ark. So he has no business gathering all the people. The Bible says, and David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Bailey, Judah, to bring up there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name, the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the ark of God on a new cart. Again, it's not supposed to be on a cart. The instruction was very clear in Numbers that it must be on the shoulders of priests and Levites. Now the Bible says, so they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. For Abinadab, he was a Levite. His children were Levites. They should know better. Now, why did they use a new cart? Again, that is why we need to be very careful in every institution, every marriage, every relationship, every church, every organization. Because, you see, the, the ark was very, very holy. They carried it on the shoulders of priests. It carries the presence of God to battle. The Bible says in the early chapters of the book of Samuel that the children of Israel were walking in sin. And therefore, Israel was defeated by the Philistines in a war. And they captured the ark of God. They took it to Philistine territory and they kept it in the temple of their chief goddess, Dagon. But the Bible tells us there were consequences. By the next morning, Dagon had fallen flat before the ark. The next day, its head and its stump has been cut off and there's no machete or any sharp blade in the ark. Now the Bible says when the Philistines tried to find out what was happening to them because it didn't only stop there. The Bible says that there were judgments throughout the land. There were boils and there were all kinds of diseases on the people and they consulted their oracles and they were told it is the ark you have brought here. You can't arrest the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. You need to let it go. And the Bible says the Philistines not having a covenant with God but they have been told they must let this ark leave this place. They prepared a new ark a new cart and they put the ark on it and they left it the ark on its own found its way into israel and came safely to the land nobody was driving it that's why this guy even if it was falling they are not supposed to touch it because it made its own way from philistine territory into israel it can move you don't need to touch it god has said no one should touch it if they touch it they will die except the priest or levites so the instruction was very clear now when you have a covenant with God or you belong to an institution, organization, company, whatever, the rules of the place don't become too familiar. Follow it. Don't copy what others are doing. Israel copied what the Philistines did. But the Philistines don't have a covenant with God. It is God who has a covenant with the people of Israel. And instruction was very clear. For this act, no one touches with their hands. 
A certain group of people carry it and it must be carried on poles on their shoulders so clearly. So because they saw that the thing came easily, they think they too they can get a new cart for it. You don't need a new cart. Just follow the instruction you were given originally. Amen. And so the Bible says that they brought the ark and verse 4. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. Then David, so that means Ahio and Uzzah were actually escorting the ark. These were the children of Abinadab who was a Levite. And so Ahio was ahead and Uzzah was behind. And the Bible says then, David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of fair wood, on harps, on string instruments, tambourines, sistrums, and cymbals. Verse 6, and when they came to Nashon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to touch the ark of God and to take hold of it because the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah and God struck him there for his error. And he died there by the ark of God. And the Bible says everyone became afraid and they took the ark and sent it to the house of Obed-Edom. Now, when we read 1 Chronicles 13, 5 to 11, it's the same thing that is there. It's just to emphasize the fact that Uzzah and Ahio escorted this. As I said, the first instruction God gave, why this happened, was that there is an element of familiarity. The first one was clear instructions given, which was broken. So, God killed someone on such a very significant day. But if we read the Bible, we will know that Numbers chapter 4, verse 15, God gave very clear instructions that this is how the ark should be carried. He says, after Aaron and his sons have finished covering the holy furnishing and all the holy articles, and when the camp is ready to move, the Kohathites, those from Kohath, they are Levites, but they are different kinds of Levites. Those from the line of Kohath, they have to carry, remember Kohath is a son of Levi. It's a son of Levi. And so Kohath, the line from Kohath, they come to do the carrying. Amen. They come to do the carrying. Numbers chapter 4 verse 15. They come to do the carrying. But they must not touch the holy things or they will die. Even they. The Kohathites are to carry those things that are in the tent of meeting. So no matter how innocently it was done, touching the ark was in direct violation of God's law. And therefore, someone had to die. But the second reason for this, as all scholars of the scriptures acknowledge, was the fact that the ark had stayed in the house of Abinadab for a very long time. And so his sons have become familiar with the ark that was with them. And so even on this occasion, they think that by reason of their familiarity with the ark, they can still touch it. And God killed instantly. He didn't mind. They have been adverts. People have come. God's laws must be obeyed. What I am announcing to you is that familiarity can make us lose out on what is supposed to be a blessing. The presence of the ark of God is a manifestation of the presence of God. Anytime they took the ark to battle, they won. The very thing that is supposed to be a blessing became a curse. Because of familiarity. Abinadab's household, Uzzah and his brother, has become so familiar with it that it was possible 
that they just took things for granted and thought that if this is falling, I can touch it. It has stayed, after all, it has been in my house for a long time. I've slept with this thing for a long time. I've played around it for a long time. And in fact, when before it even got here, we may have carried it and put it on the thing. And so, it doesn't matter anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the danger of familiarity. Hallelujah. Uzzah, having been around the ark in his own home, could very likely forget the holiness that it represented. That's where the danger lies sometimes. When we have become so familiar with people, we sometimes forget how significant they are in our lives and we abuse them. Are you here this morning? Sometimes in many marriages, that's what happens. It's just that we have become familiar. Some time ago, you, you, you just couldn't sleep since you saw that guy. You couldn't sleep. When you, you dream of him, you just been believing God that you want to see him. Now you are married and you are taking things for granted. Even good morning doesn't show itself. In a day, you text so many people, you haven't texted this person you said took your heart and took your breath away. We have become so familiar that we easily abuse one another in a relationship. When we can easily insult one another, it's a sign that we have come very far in familiarity. When we become familiar, we begin to dishonor what we used to honor and uncover what we used to cover. May God help us in the name of Jesus. Whatever is supposed to be a blessing to you, when you are able to descend that, resist the edge to become overly familiar. Hallelujah. Resist it. Resist it. Don't become too familiar. We will touch a few things, but let's see. let me read one more scripture and then we go. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. We know the all familiar story about Mary and Martha receiving Jesus in their house and they hosted him. That's not the first time he's been to their house. He's been going there. But the Bible tells us that in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42, now it came to pass as they went that Jesus entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was concerned about much serving and came to Jesus and complained, Don't you care that my sister has left me alone to serve you? Allow her to come and help me. And Jesus answered and said, Martha, Martha, you are careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. What is that good part? The presence of God. The presence, the word and his presence. 
He said, yes, you are busy about these things, but maybe because you have heard the word many times, I've come and I'm sharing the word, and you are busy doing other things, and, and you think I'm still happy with it. But I want you to understand, much as what you are preparing in the kitchen is fine, it is still not the good part. The good part is somebody desiring my presence, the intimacy of the presence of God. You know, sometimes we take our Christianity for granted to the point that daily we don't seek to have intimacy with God. One of the dangers in ministry is doing ministry without having intimacy with Jesus Christ. I know preachers who don't read their Bible, but they preach every Sunday. Because they've come to a point where they don't have any more personal relationship with God. The very things they used to do daily, reading their Bible, praying, interceding, standing in the gap, they've stopped. You see, there's a level of the anointing on our lives as preachers that sometimes, whether you have done anything or not, you will flow. But that's the danger. When you move into that realm, it's very dangerous because you will be like a vehicle that is on a, a downhill slope. You see, it, it will be costing, but it doesn't mean there's fuel in it. At a certain point when it goes down, 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 down and get down into the valley and it wants to climb up, that's where you realize that you do. You see the whole thing just begins to have some kind of seizures. Start gossiping and galloping. Have you seen a car galloping before? It just does that. It's not moving. It's having all kinds of seizures. <laughs> Because as it was going down, one might think it was moving by the fuel, but there's no fuel in it. It's not being charging anymore. When we take the presence of God for granted, we lose the impact of our ministries. May we not become so busy that we don't have time for the presence of God. And many times we do that to God. He said he's a jealous God. Please don't forget that about the God we serve. So when we wake up every day, we run around, do all kinds of things. And it's only when we are in danger, say, Father, show up. But we don't have any communication with him in the morning anymore. We have stopped. I believe that Martha has heard the word over and over. And whilst Jesus came and this time was preaching in their own house, she's just ignoring the word and go about, I think it's time for me to prepare food. I'll hear it another time. And sometimes that's what happens. May we be so disciplined that we don't become familiar with the word of God. It doesn't matter who is preaching the word. Open up yourself because you will get a rumor from the word. When I'm training our pastors, I say to them, whenever anyone is preaching, make notes. Even if it's a child from the children's service. Because you see, when we come to church, if we take the presence of God for, for granted, we will miss the, the power of God. Because when we come to church, we have intercession for at least the, the, the known intercession, the one that we all see for 30 minutes. Someone is standing here leading us from 9.30 to 10. Because there have been different levels of intercession. Pastors have prayed at a certain time in the morning. We have all been praying at different levels. But the prayer we all prayed here, you see one of the prayer topics is that, Father, we are praying that the person who will preach, God will use the person. Did you believe in the prayer you prayed? Now, when now the person comes, maybe the person is not Bishop James. So because it's not Bishop James, you have, your notebook is not out. Your pen is not out. Nothing is out. You are just sitting there. What is the, oh, Matthew chapter 2, I know it already. But that's how you miss the rima of God. 
So sometimes we, we become familiar like that. We, 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 we are familiar. Well, I've heard this word before. But in every word, there is a rima. That rima is the prophetic word for you that day. When you listen carefully, you will get it and it will change the course of your life. It always takes a word, a word from God. Peter toiled all night. It was just a single word. So Mary decided that it doesn't matter how many times I've heard this man preach. I'm going to glue myself and listen. And Jesus didn't say, what your sister has heard. Part of it will come to you as a blessing. He said, no, that one is only for Mary. Martha, you, yours is food. You keep on doing the food. But my presence is here. Nothing replaces my presence. You could have left it and still come and focus. And when we finish, you pay attention to that. But I believe that she may have taken the presence of Jesus for granted because he visits their home very often. And I've heard this over and over. Maybe he started something from David as well, but I've heard David before. And you realize that Jesus didn't say that what they were doing was equally correct. He said, no, what Martha, was Mary, what Mary was doing, she has paid attention. She has valued the relationship. She has really honored the presence of God, the son, in the house. And he says that good thing will not be taken away from her. Ladies and gentlemen, may we be delivered from familiarity. Amen. As I said earlier on, familiarity, it is said, breeds contempt. But I have found out that it should rather breed respect instead of contempt if we handle relationship well. Amen? Number one, familiarity leads to taking God, his word, and presence for granted. When we become familiar, we take the word of God, God himself, his word, and his presence for granted. It is very, very easy to take God for granted when we become familiar. That's what happened to Martha. To have God in the house who is speaking. It's not that he's sitting down and relaxed. He's actually delivering a word. And that's why the Bible says Mary was seated at his feet receiving the word. So Mary was not taking him for granted. I believe she didn't see him like someone who visits and is their friend but she still considers that much as this man comes down to our level he is still God amen hallelujah as I wrote in my first book the blessings of relationships every door of of blessing will come through another person but we must learn how to honor each other because every one of us has our set of protocols and when you violate it a door can be shut. It took God to negotiate with Ananias for a long time for him to go and pray for Saul. It means that God chose him to be the door of blessing, but he was resisting it. He told God, I have heard by many how this man is so wicked. And he says, you go and pray for him, for him to see. Let him continue to be blind. <laughs> God said, get up and go. No, God spoke pigeon. He said, go away. Read it in the King James. He said, get up, go away. <laughs> go, go, go and pray for him. But the man resisted for a long time. Sometimes, because of the way we have handled a relationship, when the door of blessing is being opened, the person can resist it. It will have to take God to raise another person. It may take some time. It may delay your breakthrough. Because we become too familiar. May we not miss it in Jesus' name. 
Our students, may we not miss it. Our lecturers can be friendly and nice, but don't miss it. Because if you become too familiar, you realize that any time you meet, you are not discussing the subject anymore. You are discussing other things. And yes, you can be in the presence of a professor, and yet you are getting nothing. Because you have misplaced the essence of the relationship by your familiarity. So here is God the Son in the house. Martha missed it, but Mary realized, I can't play with this one. Amen. In the same way, it doesn't matter how anointed we are. What roles we play in church, may we not take God for granted. Amen. Don't take God for granted. Don't take his word for granted. Don't take his presence for granted. Let's not become too familiar in church that we take things for granted. His presence is here whenever we gather. And it is how you see the presence, that's how you see the blessing. One day Jacob said, this is the house of God. And I didn't know. It was a stone. He was lying on a stone. But that was the presence of God. The presence of God was there. He said, this is the gate to heaven. And I didn't know. I have no idea. Because the gate to heaven may not look like what you think. So, an atmosphere, an environment like this, this morning, may look so ordinary. But the presence of God will be there. And so we approach it with revelation and not just familiarity. Amen. Because as I've always said, gifts can come wrapped and unwrapped. Some gifts come, they are wrapped. You can tell this is a gift. Others do, they come unwrapped, but it's a gift. Number 10 Downing Street is a very famous door. But it looks very simple. Unless somebody tells you this is the place, but you can pass by it. It's only the presence of, you know, police officers and they say, okay, something else is going on here. But apart from that, look at the door itself. Simple black door. One, zero. That's all. Nothing. Nothing. But behind that door. <laughs> Even the pocket you are having can suffer behind that door. It can be determined from there. A lot of people are having pocketitis these days. It is, you know pocketitis, when there's an inflammation of the pocket, nothing stays inside it. Anything you put in is, there are holes, nothing is in your pocket. Your pocket is suffering. <laughs> when take home pay, can't take you home. <laughs> but those things are determined from behind that door. The destinies of many nations are controlled from behind that door. But it's a very simple door. But it opens to certain territories. It opens to some places. It's a very powerful place, but it's a very unusual door. But you can't treat that door with disrespect because it doesn't look like a golden door. Don't become too familiar with the door of blessing to you. The same honor you give to it, give it the same honor. Amen. Don't become too familiar. Familiarity should breed respect. Amen. So don't take God for granted. Don't take his word for granted. If you get up every morning, read your Bible. How many times you have read it, just read it. Because there will be a revelation within that word that you have read over and over. Many times God has spoken to us through his word. The same scripture you have read over and over. You just get up and you open it again and this time you get a different thing. And God speaks to all of us in different ways. 
For me, many times, he speaks to me through his word. Except that the way he does it sometimes is some way. You know, and I just sometimes, I've stopped that, but it's like 10, 15 years ago. You know, all that he'll say, okay, turn to Isaiah 8, 6. That's all that we'll hear. And I'll turn to there, and then there's a particular word there. But I say, ah, but I know what is there. So go and open it again. When you open it, you get a whole revelation and an instruction to carry a certain pattern. So you don't become familiar with the Bible you are holding because God speaks through his word. Amen. So don't take God for granted. Otherwise, you may lose your blessings. Don't take holy things for granted. Amen. When we become familiar, we begin to take holy things for granted. The holy presence of God the Son was in the house of Mary and Martha. And one of them took it serious. The other just took it for granted. And the scripture says that which Mary has chosen, it will never be taken away from her. I mean, they, it, look, read your Bible. It was Martha who opened the home for Jesus to come in. If you read the account, you see it was a certain woman named Martha. She started it. She, was, she would have been the oldest. She opened the door. But in the end, we find that the one who, was, who received the commission, you see, that sort of seriousness and the fact that Jesus goes to their house very often to eat and do all those things, and he never took, she never took him for granted, led to the fact that she was the first person to preach the gospel. Many people think it's a man who preached the gospel first. It was a woman. What is the gospel? That Jesus is alive. Amen. And our sins are forgiven. That he's resurrected from the dead. Mary was the one who first met Jesus. And Jesus told her, go and tell Peter, I am alive. In other words, Mary herself was the one who first preached the message to Peter. Look at the extent of how she valued the presence and she was given such a position, such a role. The blessing. We never heard of Martha again. Many times we talk more about Mary than Martha. But she opened the house. Amen. Taking holy things for granted. Let's not take God for granted that we think we can sin easily because we have become used to God. I feel the Holy Spirit just lie so easily just to them, just used to God. <laughs> we take God's presence for granted. We take holy things for granted. The Bible tells us time and time again, the tithe is holy. We can't just take it for granted. Say, oh, I borrowed this man. Did, did you discuss with him? No, he said it is his. Read your Bible. He said, that is mine. <laughs> it's not even the pastor's. It's him. It's his. And you haven't discussed with him. You said you have borrowed it this month. <laughs> How serious do we take this God? Because we have become so familiar. So we are praying seriously. Just open your eyes. <laughs> just waving at someone. Are we serious? Can you do this at a shrine? <laughs> Can you do this at a, at a shrine? You can't. We can't be familiar with certain things. Amen. May God help us in Jesus' name. Number three, familiarity leads to taking each other for granted in relationships. We take each other for granted in our relationships. Listen, gentlemen, everyone that you have married is a door of blessing. When we begin to become too familiar, we begin to dishonor each other. But may that honor not go away. 
no matter how familiar you become, please respect each other in the marriage. I'm speaking to married people. Amen. Respect each other in the marriage. Don't be rude to each other. Value the person you have married. Amen. And it opens its own doors of blessing. Let's not become too familiar and become rude to each other. Yes, when you are not happy about something, communicate it clearly without harming the other person. Amen. You see, we can be gentle in communicating our misgivings. We can make our point without making an enemy. Amen. We must be skillful at stepping on each other's toes without disturbing the shine of the shoe. And we must do well. See, when you say, I'm familiar with the person, and you keep on doing the same thing the person doesn't like over and over, you, you have become, you don't, res- you don't respect at all. And you are hurting one another in the marriage. So please don't take each other for granted because it closes doors of blessings. Amen. Husbands and wives, don't take each other for granted in the relationship. Amen. Yeah. Value the person you have married. Raise them to the level of respect. Sometimes we respect other people more than our spouses. It means you are taking them for granted. You have become too familiar. Some time ago, when you haven't married them, when they said they are coming to visit, you clean, you tidy up. You look for the, you look for the, <laughs> the plates that no one has ever eaten in. And use that to serve them. Now you are married them, sisters, I'm talking to you. You've married this man. There are some plates. Nobody has eaten in them for the past 10 years. They are still in the house. You are still cooking for him from some kind of thing. And so those grow plated things, who, who are you going to serve with? Who, who are you going to, who, who deserves that? Don't your husband deserve that one too? You are not getting any special visitor too. That thing has been there for a very long time. So he can't drink from it. He can't eat from it. Ah, please clap for the men in this house. They have endured some of these things for a long time. (laughs) The men are excited in the house. (laughs) Uh, This afternoon, please go and go from those things and serve them from those things. Ah, Who are you waiting for? Don't they have the same status of respect? (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. Please don't take each other for granted. I don't know why I keep on dwelling on this. Please don't take each other for granted. Value the person. Amen. Value the person. It's very easy. When we become too familiar, we start disrespecting it hurts. Sometimes the other person can't talk, but they are dying in the marriage. May people not die prematurely in the marriage because they are unable to communicate their feelings. 
And sometimes sisters suffer like that in marriages. They can't discuss anything. When they raise their it's as if they are married to a monster in the house. You're a military dictator. You are not a democratic government at all in the house. So she can't express, express herself. And but before you married her, oh you oh, I'm saying to you, oh yes, I want to listen to you. Now you are married. Now you don't want to listen. It's a sign that you have become too familiar. Too familiar. May we not become too familiar. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Taking leadership for granted. When we become very familiar, familiarity leads us to take leadership for granted. Don't take your leadership for granted. Amen. Don't take your leader for granted. I explained to you about Jesus and visiting the house of Mary and Martha. He's, he's not just ordinary. He's, he's, he looks ordinary. In fact, in chapter 11 of the book of John, when their brother Lazarus was sick, when they sent a message to Jesus, they, the messenger said, Mary and Martha says, I should come and tell you that your friend, the guy you love very much, Lazarus, their brother, is sick. He's his friend. But remember, he is God, the son. That's not ordinary at all. Many times we have closed the doors of God's blessing because we became too familiar and take leadership for granted. Don't take your pastor for granted. Amen. He, he carries the anointing to turn something around in your life. The reason why it becomes very risky is because every genuine man of God is very, very easy to approach. See, some of us have been, you know, culturally brought up to think that, you know, a great man of God, a servant of God, or some great person, it should be very difficult to approach them. You know, so when someone is so down to earth, we just take it for granted. Because you are not, see, one day I met a bishop at a bishop's conference. And he said, oh, Dr. James. I'm blessed to meet you today. I've watched you on television for a long time. I've been asking my office to get in touch. And I'm thankful to God I've met you here today. Charlie, the man's slangs is not easy. Man. Hey, Charlie. I stood before him. I look at his jerry curled hair. I look at mine. I say, mine is dry. <laughs> and he's so excited to see me. They said, but we need to catch up. We need to talk. I said, yes. So I said, so how do I see you? He said, oh, you can call my office. I think at the moment, the, the wait time is six months. I said, my God. Me, bishop, you, bishop, it will take me six months. They're your members, I don't know how long it will take them to get to you. Six months. <laughs> six months. <laughs> six months waiting. I didn't even bother to make a call. <laughs> Some places is a whole queue. One day I met a man of God. I met him in his office. He wanted to connect. So great. I also saw him on TV. And 
Somebody warned me, but I just thought, oh, well, let, let me also explore it for myself. So I went, I was sitting in his office, and then one of you called me. The person is looking at my face, so I won't point. One of you called me, and I picked, I said, oh, I'm not, in, I'm talking to some, but you can come to the house. It's, when I finished, he said, what? Who called you? A member of your church? They have your number? And they know your house too? Ah! And he started laughing. He said, they know your house too. He said, you know where I live? I said, yes. He said, but you know, about five members of my church live on that street. They don't know I live in that house. But you see, long story short, he's nowhere to be found in ministry today. See, some people think that making it complicated to have access to the man of God means that he's, he's anointed. But when Jesus came, he is God the son. He is not pastor, he is God the son. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And he was down to earth visiting hopes. You can talk to people, eat with people, etc. It doesn't change the anointing. The challenge, therefore, is the people that relate with such people. Because you need to discern that in the midst of all the laughter and the jokes, there is an anointing in front of you and you handle it carefully. So it will continue to bless you. Because the man of God did not put the anointing on himself. The anointing is the power of God that is put upon a person to enable the person solve the problems of people that God sent him to. That is the essence of the anointing. So when we become too familiar with the anointing, we may miss the presence of God and the power of ministry that the pastor will want to minister to you. Because we have become too familiar. You know, we become guys like hello, high five. Yeah. So very soon he can't minister to you. May he have the power to minister to you. So you don't lose. So as you cry to God, where is my breakthrough? The breakthrough is with the person you have become too familiar with. Amen. Am I sharing some things with you? Don't take God for granted. In Jesus' name. When we're growing up, I mean, we serve our fathers in the Lord. Sometimes after crusade, we come back, they sit down. We will take off their shirts. Because they are tired. We could see he's ministered for a long time. On the, when you are doing crusade, it's not like one hour. Crusade is big. Thousands have gathered. You finish ministry, you are laying hands on thousands of people. So you can imagine. And you are standing, you are carrying oil. You carry oil and you finish and you go and get another one and come. <laughs> and come, you are moving into the crowds and doing all these things. And when you come, you realize that he's so tired. And he sits down, you take off his shirt and clean and get water for him to wash his hands, you do so many things to, to let him feel relaxed. We served that way. And they came down to our level, but we know that they are not still our class. <laughs> Hallelujah. In the same service, he may say, go and pray for this person. You go and pray. People are falling down. Demons are leaving, but you are not the same as him. And I remember that a new guy was brought in to our team as we serve our fathers. I remember this man of God, this great servant of God. And he, we finished ministration. And we're sitting down. We come into the, when we come, he sits. There are chairs there where we don't sit, we stand. And another great, another servant of God also came into the room. And this new guy who has come into the team, he feels very familiar. You know, he just come into the team, he just feels, wow. I have access to these anointings here. 
So when Papa was sitting down, and we have done this thing, he also came and sat by him, crossed his legs. <laughs> we look at him and say, Charlie, you, you don't understand. <laughs> he thinks we don't know anything. He thinks we don't know access to power. And he was taking things for granted. As soon as he left the room, I remember the old man, the archbishop, look at this young man. He won't go very far in ministry. <laughs> you know, and that was it. We haven't heard from him anymore. <laughs> he couldn't go very far. Because, you see, he takes things for granted. He just thinks the access means you are the same level. May we know the difference in Jesus' name. So we don't block the blessing that must come to us. In the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that you understand what I'm saying. Amen. Don't take church leadership for granted. Don't take your bosses for granted. Because lack of discernment to know when your spouse, especially if your spouse is also a pastor, is leading you or instructing you can also be dangerous. Amen. Should I repeat what I said? Now, sometimes in ministry, you have a spouse who is a pastor or a deacon or a leader. You need a great level of wisdom to know when he or she is speaking to you as your pastor or as your spouse. You see, there's a, there are two lines. They are not the same. So it's very dangerous. It happened to Michal, David's wife. She was barren for the rest of her life because of this error. When the ark was finally brought in, the Bible says David danced so powerfully so mightily that he danced almost naked. And as soon as he got home, his wife just said, look at you. Just look at you. See how you disgrace yourself in church today. Dancing almost naked and all these young girls were dancing around you. You know, such familiarity. You are dealing with a king. Not only a king, but the Bible tells us three levels of anointing was upon David. He was carrying the prophetic anointing. He was carrying a priestly anointing and was carrying the kingly anointing. Three levels. The anointing on that man was not easy. He is described, Jesus is described as the son of David. Please, it tells you who David was. The anointing on him. And yet his wife just took him for granted and said, look at you. You went to church and just danced with those little girls like that in church. And the Bible said, David said, as for me, I will dance naked before the Lord because God took me out of nowhere and made me a king above your father. David, you can say something. <laughs> you were born in the king's palace, but for me, God took me from the back of beyond, from taking care of sheep and made me a king. And the Bible says, because of the rude way by which Michal spoke to David, God shut her womb. She laid on the same bed with such an anointed man and she was barren for the rest of her life. Sometimes doors close because we fail to recognize the gift that is before us. May we discern in the midst of all the jokes. That an anointing that has been reserved by God to be a blessing to us is before us. So that we can manage it well and not take it for granted. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Have I counseled the church this morning? In Jesus name.
So especially when you're also married to a pastor, you need to be very discerning to know at which point is he talking as your pastor or he's talking as a spouse. It's a very tricky ground. It's very tricky. It's very tricky. Because when it comes to the judgment, we, we don't... You see, this God, this God is some way. It was... If you read your Bible clearly, you will see David did not curse Michael. He didn't utter a word of a curse. But the God who called him felt insulted. He acted. That's where the danger lies. May we not take each other for granted. In the name of Jesus. Whatever you are looking for in life, that breakthrough lies with another person. Amen. Learn to respect everybody equally. And let's value people. Let's value people. In Jesus name. Amen. Because when we disrespect and we take things for granted, it will result in loss of blessings, loss of privileges, and loss of anointings. Three things will be lost. Loss of blessings, loss of privileges, and loss of the anointing itself. Amen. Every one of us needs some level of anointing to operate. Don't take God for granted. Don't take his presence for granted. Don't take his servants for granted. Don't take your bosses for granted. Otherwise, you will lose some blessings. You also lose privileges. There are privileges that are given. The moment you start becoming too familiar and disrespectful, you shut the door. Somebody begins to shut their door completely because they realize that you don't respect. <laughs> you are taking things for granted. They bring you into a certain circle. You are, you are calling old nicknames that he doesn't want to be called. So you see, next time there is an access and a door open, he's not bringing you there. Ah, he's working in government or he's some big company and he's there and he's just saying, he sees you struggling, things are not well, working well for you. And he links you up and you got a job. Now you got to the place, at that place, everybody called him Prof. Joshua. Prof. Professor Joshua. You guys say, oh, Joshua. Joshua and he doesn't like that. He doesn't like that. You are doing it. Uh-huh. So the next time another door opened higher than that, you are qualified. But he looks at it. You come there, come and do Joshua. There. No way. <laughs> stay where you are. <laughs> you will stay where you are. You see, this is the problem. <laughs> it will take God, another generation, to raise another person. So you have shut the door because of your familiarity. Sometimes when, when people... Say, please refer, call me by my title. Please call it. Don't say what is title. Please, if he wants to be called professor, 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 this. Please add all. Add all. No issues. Amen. Others too, they don't mind. They are very simple down to earth. Despite their qualifications, you call them this. They are not angry. I've seen people call me, oh, Pastor James. And they say, oh, sorry, Bishop. I said, there's no problem. It's just wrong. But I know someone too who is a bishop. If you call him pastor, you are finished. The heavens will be someone against you. <laughs> call me, call me. I'm bishop. Bishop. <laughs> One day we went, we had a program. It was a, a family engagement. I've been called. I think my presence was disturbing this guy. Who also believes he's somebody else in, <laughs> in the family. <laughs> But he's not very happy that he's been called pastor something. And when I come, they call me bishop something. He's sitting there. He's just fidgeting. He's getting so angry. And I could see that he wasn't happy. Then finally, 
They asked him to say something. Closing prayer. Closing prayer. When they asked him to say the closing prayer, this was at an engagement. Closing prayer. He stood up and said, he is also a bishop. He is also a bishop. He's also a bishop. That's what he said. I'm also a bishop. That's that um, for some reason, that is why. But I am also a bishop. So please call me bishop. And he also, hey, Charlie, see this bishop competition. Where are we going with it? <laughs> but when people want to be called tight, please give it to them. So it doesn't close doors. Amen. Yeah, some, they are very particular about it. Some years ago, there was a, I was called to speak at a, a political meeting. And when I got to the place, I think the two former presidents were present. I was asked to um, moderate the meeting. I think there's something, there's some confusion going on and they wanted a neutral person to come and sit in. So I was called. And this man was the chairman for the meeting. And so I came and I said, Mr. Mr. So-and-so, <laughs> I said, Mr. Ankara, <laughs> when he took his chair and I said, let's now put our hands together for the chairman to give his remarks. When he took the mic, he said, it's Dr. Ankara. It's Dr. Ankara. It's Dr. Ankara. Abruci, anything you told me, why didn't you? Dr. Ankara. When I went to England, I struggled to end my PhD. You must refer to me. And I toileted the microphone back. I said, shall we all put our hands together for Dr. Ankara? Please, don't close doors. Don't say, well, what is it after all? What is it? No, please. He wants it. Please give it to me. Amen. Yeah. If you call her sister Amai, she said, no, please, Mrs. Hammond, please say so. Don't close your door. Dog dickiness, Mrs. Please add all. <laughs> if she wants it all, please add it. So you don't close unnecessary doors. Amen. Others do, they don't mind. Pastor James, a bishop is a pastor. I don't mean I don't have problem. I don't have problem. Yes, I don't have problem. <laughs> Others they, they are concerned about it, so you just give it to them. I mean, sometimes they write bishop, doctor. I say, please, what is the meaning of this confusion? One one should suffice. That's all right. Amen. But others they want all to be written. Please write all. I've even seen a traditional rulers now adding all of that to it. That's why I say, which two name is that one to? Because it's Professor Doctor Nana so and so. I say, please, there's two names. It starts from Nana. The rest is just academic. But when that all becomes is, we love titles. But please, if they love the title and the door will open, please refer to them by their titles, and we go ahead in Jesus' name. Don't take anyone for granted. Say, oh, it's my classmate. If your classmates are moved to a certain status and he wants to be called, please refer to them and be wise and so that the doors can be opened. In Jesus' name. Because when we pray to God for things, God will send the answer through people. The challenge is the people themselves. Having received even instructions from God, they can resist God. Check your scriptures. You'll find some people found it difficult. They argued with God. They said, why should I go and do this? This guy is wicked. God said, Louis, forget about him. Just for my sake, go and bless. But not everyone will have that opportunity of hearing God and God arguing with them back and forth for you. They will just close the door. It may take another generation. Don't let your blessing be postponed. 
by familiarity in Jesus' name. Amen.